a part of Matthew 5. But I was struck by uh, this, this part at the very beginning. It said, and I don't have a scripture for it, it's okay, sorry. Um, it said, and seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came with him. And when I read that, it just struck me so differently. This thought that, um, uh, Ryan, can I get you to turn me down just a little bit? I'm sorry. This thought struck me. Jesus went up higher, and his disciples went up higher. But it doesn't say the multitudes did. I'm sure the multitudes were there to hear. But for the first time when I read it, it was like, oh my gosh, we are being called as disciples to go higher, to be seated as close to Jesus as we can get. Um, it just was something that, that struck me. I want to begin this morning. And so the challenge uh, for this message, it's a message of challenge and encouragement for you and for me to live the fullness of who we are created and called to be. Um, I want to start uh, with a story. This is the story uh, of uh, Keisha Thomas. Keisha was 18 years old, and she lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and it was in June of 1996. There were two events going on at the same time. There was a Ku Klux Klan rally going on, and then there were uh, an anti-Klan protest going on. They were separated by a fence, um, and then there were police there in riot gear. There was a woman with a megaphone that was speaking about justice. When she noticed a man in the crowd who was wearing a Confederate flag shirt and he had a tattoo, uh, two lightning bolts. And she said, there's a Klansman, get him. The group began to chase this man down. And Keisha was in this group. Keisha wanted to know what he was doing there. Uh, but when the group got to him, they knocked him to the ground, and the call came out, kill him. And they began to kick him in the head, kick him in the face. They began to beat him. Keisha said she never remembered having a thought to go forward. She said it was as if two angels had picked her up by her arm and laid her over this man. I don't know how well you can see it in this picture, but she broke forth from this crowd and she covered this man and she began to take the kicks and the blows that were meant for him. They tried to pull her off of him. Keisha said this, and she never mentioned the kicks and the blows. Uh, the photographer who took the pictures is the one who, who said that she began to bear the kicks and the blows for this man. 
She said, when I came forward and people started to pull at me, she said, all of a sudden, the atmosphere changed. And the people, other people, began to protect her. They began to move the crowd back. I'm thinking about Paul. Paul said that the love of Christ compels me, and that's what I, I think uh, Keisha was saying when she said it was as if two angels had picked me up and just laid me over him. Keisha would get up and she would walk this man out to safety. And I thought, you know, this image when it occurred was so powerful for me that to this day I still remembered it. While I was stuck in Matthew 5, it was like, man, I wonder if I can find that story in that photograph. The thing of Google. Yes, I could. <laughs> I am struck by this. The atmosphere changed through the act of compassion and love. This is not the end of the story. You know, 20 years later, they went back and they interviewed her. And they asked, one of the questions they asked was, did you ever see this man again? She said, no, I didn't. But about 30 days, about a month later, I'm sitting in a coffee shop in Ann Arbor, and a young man walks up to me, and he says to me, thank you. And she said, I asked him what for. And he said, that was my dad you saved. That story's not done yet. The power of love. She said, I also worked with him on a project. You know where? Flint, during the water crisis. Keisha and his son worked on a project in Flint for the people to help alleviate that crisis for them. When she was working with him, he mentioned that his dad was sick and dying. And it was several months later that she received a call from him. And he said, my sister would like to speak to you. And so the sister got on the phone. She was 12 years old. And she said, if you hadn't have saved my father, I would have never been born. We never know what an act of compassion or love will accomplish. We never know how far it will go. And so it's so important that we be willing to love as the Father loves. His love is sacrificial and unconditional. And that is the love that Keisha showed that day when she laid herself over a man who thought so little of her, who probably hate her and despised her just because she was different 
than him. Um, let's look at uh, Matthew 5. We're going to look at Matthew 5, 48, uh, 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brother only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. That seems like such a difficult, it's not logical. That is not logical. It's not worldly. That's for sure. But I'm thinking about this. Jesus is speaking to uh, the Jewish people who are under occupation. Uh, he is speaking to a people who have watched uh, others come in, invade their land, probably confiscate some of their land, murder some of their, their, their people, uh, possibly have raped their daughters. And he is saying to them, I need you to love your enemies. I need you to love them. Why? Because if you're going to reflect that you're my son and you're my daughter, you have to be different than the world. Because he says, look, even they do that. Okay, even murderers love their families. Even drug dealers love their families. E even rapists love their families. So what is the merit in there? What is different? That would be the translation for you and me now. So if you do what they do, what sets us apart? What makes us different? It's a call to live on a whole nother level. His love is unconditional. He says, look, the sun rises and sets. It's not determined by who you are or what you do. It rains on the just and the unjust. Does that not sound like grace? perfect as your heavenly father is perfect that means that word perfect meaning complete lacking nothing does is my love 
for others, is it complete? Or is it lacking? You know, we have to love those who don't love us. We have to love those who oppose us, who antagonize us, who ridicule us, who criticize us. People who hate us for no other reason than maybe we don't look like them, we don't talk like them, we don't think like them. You know, um, since uh, the Holocaust, so we're looking at like 1945, 1946, since that time, there have been 37 acts of genocide. 37 acts of trying to wipe out a people because you don't have the same religion of me, you're not the same ethnicity as me, because I have a political view that is different than yours. I hope and I pray that we are not sowing right now uh, seeds of doubt and confusion. Uh, I, I hope that we're not sowing seeds of suspicion right now because the country doesn't need any more of that. I hope we're not fanning the flames of strife and contention and division because I'm going to tell you, it's not my words, it's Jesus. That is not of the Spirit. That is not of our Father. So I get that our passions are high, but we have to look differently. We have to look differently. Let's go to 1 John, um, chapter 4, 7 through 16. We're thinking, I can't do that. Is that possible? You've been given everything you need. I have been given everything that I need. The question is, going to make excuses. The question is, am I going to take this word and cram it to fit in the box of my understanding? Or am I going to allow the word of God to really begin to shape and transform who I am and how I respond to the world around me? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. God is the source of love. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If you love, it is because you are born of God and you know God. You, uh, you have been born of his spirit. It is his essence and his DNA. And you have to know him, not know about him, but you have to intimately know him and experience him. He who does not love does not know God 
for God is love. It's his very being. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That's love. As people look around and they wonder, is there even any love? I can't see it. Does it even in this world where there's so much hatred and division, love exists. God is love, and he manifested it. He made it known through the gift of his son, and that's a sacrificial uh, a love. He gave his son. Jesus laid down his life. And if we're going to love like him, the question is, uh, am I real willing to sacrifice? Scripture says, be a living sacrifice. What am I sacrificing? I'm sacrificing my life. I'm sacrificing my own thoughts. I'm sacrificing my own feelings. I'm sacrificing my own opinions. You know what? Sometimes I have to sacrifice my own rights. For the good of others, uh, we are called to live for others. We don't live for ourselves. Scripture says that I have died in Christ. And now it's Christ who lives in me. I no longer live. It is Christ living in me. Everything we need to be able to love is the as the Father has loved us, is possible because he has given us his grace. He has given us his spirit. He has given us his life. He's given us his word. He's given us his precious blood. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to, to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent him to be the atoning sacrifice for us. God is the initiator of love. God's love is our motivation. It's what motivates us. All we're really doing is allowing the love that has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit to flow out to others. The question is, are we willing to release it? Are we willing to manifest it? Darkness is never going to dispel darkness. Only light does that. Scripture says, don't overcome evil with evil, overcome evil with good. And we are never going to overcome hatred with hate. It is only going to be through love. No 
one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. It's been made complete in us. What if you don't love? Then I got to question whether God really is abiding in you. Is he dwelling in you? By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. We can't separate them. God is love. And if he abides in us, then his love has to abide in us and it has to flow out to others. And if it doesn't flow out to others, then you got to wonder, did you really receive the love of God, was it really poured out in your heart? Um, this is from 1 John 4, 20 through 21. I didn't give it to you, sorry. Um, but it says this, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Only unconditional love, only sacrificial love can change the way we respond to each other. Only unconditional and sacrificial love can build a body of believers. Only unconditional and sacrificial love will reach out to a world that is lost. I want to close with this. It comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 7 through 8. You don't have it. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails.
love of God allows us to see beyond the present moment. The love of God allows me to respond not according to the situation and the circumstances. Not determined by what you are doing right now or not doing. The love of God allows me to see that deep down inside of you, there is a hidden treasure that maybe even you are unaware of. The love of God lets me believe in and hope in this, that you were given a measure of faith, and at some point, that faith is going to break through the soil, the ground of your life. The love of God allows me to hang on to this, that at some moment, the uh, dawn of salvation will break forth on the horizon of your life. We have got to be willing to love. Not because of what I see today, but because of what I hope for and what I believe can be. In others and in this world, it may not look like it right now, but we know that Scripture says that there will be a new heaven and new earth. And these things will pass away. And then there's going to be no more weeping and no more crying. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more death. There will be no more hatred. There will be no more evil. There will be no more sin. That day is coming. But it is hard sometimes. If you're looking just at this moment, we need to have vision that sees beyond the present moment. If, if, my, if my encounter with you doesn't reveal the truth that you were created in my Father's image and likeness, if I can't see that manifested yet, if, I can't, if you don't believe for yourself who God created and called you to be, that there's something so precious about you that Jesus was willing to die for you, I'll believe it for you. I'll hold on to it for you. And I will hope that my love is the catalyst that brings about a faith that breaks forth from the ground of your being. I, I will hope that the catalyst of our love will begin to break through the hatred. It will overcome the evil. will dispel the darkness. I know this is a message that you've heard long ago. I know this is a message that you know inside and outside. But then I ask this question to myself.
Nikki, then why? Why is it not applied? The willingness to die to self. The willingness to lay aside my own opinion. The willingness to endure. I'm thinking of, can you put up the last picture, Maria? I'm thinking of Keisha, who was willing to take her body and cover someone else's. To receive the blows, the kicks, I don't ever remember making a conscious decision to lay myself over this man. That's because that's who she was. That's who she was. I remember uh, years ago, Mark had a, uh, was in high school and he had a project and he did it on the Holocaust, Holocaust and so I bought some books for him, but there was one book that caught my eye and so I bought it for myself. And it was based on this. Uh, it was based on they were investigating and trying to determine what was the factor that allowed some people to risk their lives for their neighbors. What was it that allowed some people to give their part of their ration to their neighbor or to hide them in their house or to help them uh, flee persecution when their own life would be in jeopardy for doing it? What, what was that factor that was different that allowed some people to be indifferent and to turn a blind eye and it doesn't affect me and it doesn't matter, it doesn't, it, it's not affecting me? I tell you, when I got done reading the book, I wanted my money back. I said, are you kidding me? 200 pages, I could have la read the last page and I was disappointed because I really thought it was going to be faith. But it wasn't. Do you know what the difference was? That whatever way you were living before the persecution started was the way you lived during. So if you were not, if you were not a compassionate, loving, caring person, if you didn't embrace your neighbor as yourself, then when the persecution started, it was too late. You weren't going to do it then. If you were indifferent and, and had no apathy, and I saw you as other, apart from me, I didn't recognize you as my brother or my sister, then I could just turn a blind eye. And Lord help if we were greedy, because they turned you in so that they could have favor upon themselves. How we live day by day matters. So when these big moments come, and there's probably not a lot of them, but I'll guarantee you, if you're not loving every day, if you're not showing compassion and mercy and forgiving and taking the blows, the little blows, you'll never rise to this occasion. The only thing we 
have to do to allow evil to flourish? Do nothing. Do nothing. Thirty-seven acts of genocide since 1946. We've got to rise higher. We have to continue to strive to be perfect like our Heavenly Father I have to love you, not based on who you are, but based on who I am. I am my father's daughter. I have to laugh because um, Sam, every once in a while, I, I didn't notice it when we were younger or when we first got married, but now, oh my gosh, can I see his dad? Sometimes he'll look a certain way, he'll, he'll do something, I'll be like, oh man, that's Herb, <laughs> that is Herb. That's her. Sometimes I look at my son, Mark, and, and, and we'll be talking, and he'll be sharing his heart, and I'll be like, ooh, that's me. <laughs> that's all me. But praise God, right? Because Jesus died to break every chain. He took care of our sin and in our iniquity. We have everything we need. The only thing that really determines it is whether or not I'm going to choose to live the word. Am I going to live the command? Am I going to be willing to sacrifice and die so others might live? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the gift of this day and for your tender mercies. And we thank you, Father God, for our ability to know you, to grasp, we try, oh God, to grasp the depth, the height, the breadth, the width, the length of your love. But we're never going to grasp it fully. But we do pray, Father God, for the ability to humbly welcome the word that you have planted within us. The word that saves our souls. And we pray, Father God, that we won't take this word and, and make it fit into the box of our understanding, Father God, but that we will truly allow this word to renew our minds, Father God, to expand, Father God, that we might see as you see from your perspective, Father God. May we understand all that you have done for us, all that you have given us. May we live in the fullness of who we are as your sons and your daughters. May we be your instrument or your vessel, O oh God, that your love might flow and flow freely, indiscriminately. To all we need, O oh God, continue to give us the strength and the courage we need. We thank you 
We thank you for your precious blood, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and dwelling within us. May you be glorified, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.